Well, good morning. My name is Derek, one of the pastors here, and we are excited to see you. Uh, if you're just coming in, you need a seat. There's a couple right up here, so uh, feel free to walk right up, and I'll look at you the whole time. Um, it's been a rough year and a half. I think we can all admit that, and different jobs are dealing with different things, right? Um, but what is maybe one of the most difficult jobs right now? You teachers, right? <laughs> we, we got the school stuff, not just with masks and COVID, and then the distance learning, you had to deal with this last year, um, and then with, I mean, just all this stuff wrapped up um, while we're starting again. So teachers, if you would, stand up real quick. Uh, we want to acknowledge teachers today, because school is starting, either it's starting this week or it started last week. Come on. Yeah, thank you. Don't be shy. Yeah, you better. <laughs> yeah. Nope. Stand back up. I didn't say sit down. <laughs> um, uh, no. <laughs> no. Um, listen, what you guys do is a big deal. Um, and we know that and we acknowledge that. But now, if you're a homeschool teacher, if you're a parent, you're, you're, you stand up. Or private school. Anybody? Else? Okay. Stand up. Stand up. Um, I see some administrators, but I, if you're an administrator, you're like, oh, I'm not a teacher. But if you're in administration, stand up. For those of you who serve in our kids' ministry, will you please stand up? Come on, there's more of you. Stand up if you serve. There. Awesome. Now, I'm going to pray over this group as kind of a, a commissioning for the call that we have to this next generation. That's what we're talking to today. But here's the other group. If you are a student in school, stand up. If you're a student in school. Because you, you kids, youth, maybe not all kids, you, you students, you may have a greater impact on some other students in your school than anybody else ever had. And you have a call from God to live for Jesus in your school as a student, not someday, but right now. And so I'm going to pray for you guys too. Let's pray. Lord Jesus... I thank you so much. This is so many people standing up of people who care about, and we all care about, but people who are engaged in this next generation, teachers, administrators, homeschoolers, um, and students themselves. God, I ask, I beg for your blessing on them. God, it has been a hard last year. I, I beg for grace in their lives. Um, I pray for love in them to just pour out when they're dealing with a bunch of junk that they're going to have to deal with. Give them wisdom. Uh, give them your spirit in control in those times when things are rough, maybe with, with other teachers or school board or students or parents, all that stuff. God, I just ask for your blessing on them, for your blessing on their families. And God, we, we commission them. We send them into the schools this year for you. God, I pray for the students. God, that they would go in there with their eyes open that you want to use them in the lives of others. You want to use them to bless other students. You want to use them to bless teachers by being great students. Um, sometimes it's a word from a student that can brighten up a teacher's day. I just ask for your blessing again on these teachers, on these servants of yours to, today, this year, as they enter the schools. We love you. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you for letting me embarrass you a little bit. Yeah, like give him another hand. So if you haven't guessed... We're talking today about the next generation, and I'm not talking Star Trek. We're talking the next generation and what our responsibility is for this next generation. You know, I, I think about this sometimes. If I'm a great failure professionally, but I'm a great 
husband and father, I think my life was well lived. And I think we can probably all agree with that. I have a deep desire, not just for my own kids, but for all the kids here to go into the world as servants of Christ. You know, the the stats in general are not real good in evangelical Christianity. You have kids that grow up in the church and then stay. Many, many leave, and we'll talk about that some today. But we have a strong desire here at Common Ground that these kids are sent into the world faithful, joyful, knowing how to abide in Christ and make a difference in the world, and we have a responsibility. You realize that uh, our mission for Christ goes way beyond our generation. Psalm 3311 says, The counsel of the Lord stands forever. The plans of his heart from generation to generation. What God wants to do is bigger than our lifetime. Last year, we have a staff retreat pretty much every year, and last year when we had our staff and elder retreat, the thing that kind of kept coming up over and over was in the future, when we look back, how are we going to be? Like as a church, common ground, can we say we were successful as a church? One of those measures will be that the kids that go, go faithful. I want to get phone calls. So when you little ones grow up, you go to college and you enter a church, I hope that I get phone calls and emails from leaders of other churches saying, do you have any more you can send us? Because these kids are great servants. These kids really love the Lord. They're full of joy. And if we don't do that and we do a whole bunch of other things, I'm not sure we could claim success as a church. We're going to be in Proverbs. Proverbs 22. And I I ask you to turn there. And if you don't have a Bible, there's one in the seat pocket in front of you. And if you don't wear know where Proverbs is. It's right there. It's page number 606 in the Bible in front of you. Now, if you're not sure where the books of the Bible are, no big deal. No big deal. The the table of contents um, is really helpful. But we're looking at page 606, Proverbs 22.6. Now, normally we don't cover just one verse, but today we're pretty much covering just one verse. Proverbs 22.6 says this. Train up a child in the way he should go. Even when he is old, he will not depart from it. Let's pray. We're done. <laughs> we, we could. We could end with that, but we're not going to. We're going to break through that. Train up a child in the way they should go, and when he is old, he will not depart from it. First, before we get into this, two misconceptions about this verse. You've probably heard this verse before, and you probably read it this way. Parents, train up the child in the way they should go. It's actually not what it says. The word parents isn't in here, and the word child here is not the word used for a, your child, and there's nothing possessive. This is more of the, the next generation. Train up the next generation in the way that they should go. This is for all of us. As a community of God's people, we have a shared responsibility for the next generation. Maybe you've heard it said, uh, it takes a village to raise a child. And in many ways, I, I think that's true. We have a shared responsibility for the next generation. You know, we look at the parents, we go, oh, they got a hard job to do, um, and they do. We look at these teachers, and they go, oh, they got a hard job to do, and they do. But how often do we realize that we actually have a little bit of a responsibility for the next generation, whether we're parents or have kids or not at the moment? Uh, Callie and I have been going through foster training uh, to be foster parents, and one of the things that they, they said that stuck out to us is they quoted this. It takes a village to raise a child. And then they challenged it a little bit. They said that, yes, but one person can change the life of a child. One person can have a significant impact that can change the trajectory of a, of a kid's life. And that, I think, is a big deal. That, 
you? What kids are in your life? If you're a parent, that's easy. If you're a grandparent, it's easy. Hopefully there's others. If you're part of a church, how about neighbor kids? When I was a kid, um, we had some neighbors next door, and I got to watch my parents do a good job. But there was a kid who, he was abused, um, and, and he would be sent to the school bus stop uh, half an hour early. This is Colorado, and so it's really, really cold. And he would be sent out with a bag of dry cereal as his breakfast. And so over and over, we kept going to the bus stop, and he's there like this, and he had been there for half an hour. So it started getting, he would uh, leave his house and just come to our house and hang out and then go to the bus stop with us. You know, and that wasn't one of my parents' kids. It was just somebody in their sphere who kind of needed some help. <laughs> one day they woke up early in the morning. I think it was 5 o'clock, and they heard the Nintendo. This is way back in the day. Doot, 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 doot. Anyway, um, and, and they walk out, and here's the neighbor kid. Somehow he just came over, came in, and started playing Nintendo. Um, but, but maybe, maybe they, just that had a huge impact on that child's life. I don't know. My point there is we are in this together. But here's the second misconception. That if the next generation fails, it's our fault. So sometimes we'll read this verse as a promise. You do your best job as a parent and they won't fail. The problem is most Proverbs aren't promises, but they're principles of wise living. And so that's what we're looking at through Proverbs is principles of wise living. You can be the best parent you could ever be and your kid might wander away. It's true. You could be a perfect parent. And by the way, there isn't one. And your kid could still go their own way. God gave us this thing called free will. So this is a, a principle, but not a promise. Meaning, if you read this, and maybe your kids are grown and they're wandering, hopefully there's not a lot of guilt on you. You know, there might be some of, oh, we could have done things different. But now we're, we're past that. They still have the freedom to choose, and God can grab that kid. And so we, we pray for them, and we do all we can. So if they wander, we shouldn't wallow in guilt that it's our fault. But those of you parents that do still have kids at home, this is a principle of wise living, that if you guide them in the way they, they will go, in general, when they're old, they won't depart from it, in general. You know, one of the things that stuck out as I was going through this is, if this is true, we want to train them up, and it's a principle that if we point them the, the right direction, they won't depart from it. Here's how not to do it. Be a hypocrite. Here is the best way to chase your kid away from God. Come to church, be religious, but don't really live it. Do it here and put on this face here, but then go home and fight a lot. Um, go home and talk about people really badly. Go home and, and let your kids see you not give money, you know, not be generous, but instead spend all your money on toys and trips and things like that. That is exactly how to chase kids away. And I would say to those parents, if you're faking it, just stop. Stop and just do what you're going to do, and that kid has a better chance someday of coming to Christ rather than growing up seeing hypocrisy. That, we were talking about this before, though, and Adam, who's on the sound back there, pointed out, he's like, but honestly, aren't we all kind of hypocrites sometimes? It's like, well, yeah. <laughs> Let's be honest, we are. And Paul was listening. He said, yeah. And so the secret there was probably acknowledging it when you are, you know, being honest enough when you make the mistakes to talk about it, to, to bring it up, to admit it, to have some humility. But here's the big idea for today. A wise way to live is to give priority to training and shaping the next generation. I feel like uh, as we're going through Psalms and Proverbs, we'll have one week that's kind of deeply emotional, getting to know God, and then another week that's just really practical. Well, this is one of those weeks. It's really practical, but this is a truth that for me is very emotional. 
A wise way to live is to give priority to training and shaping the next generation. And that's really the theme of Proverbs. Proverbs 1.8. It started this way. He says, hear my son your father's instruction and forsake not your mother's teaching. All of Proverbs is kind of a, a father written to a child saying, listen to my wisdom, listen to your mother's wisdom, and live this way. You will have more success. So three questions, three answers, and we'll get out of here. Question one, why is my responsibility to the next generation so important? Here's the answer. The next generation matters to God. Plain and simple. The next generation matters to God. How often do churches prioritize adults? Because guess what? They've got the money. And the kids are kind of an afterthought. Let me tell you, here at Common Ground, the kids, I would say what's happening back there is probably more important than what's happening in here. And I'll tell you this, what's happening at your home is more important than what's happening right here. These kids are really, really important because they matter to God. Psalm 78, 5 through 7. It says, He, meaning God, established a testimony in Jacob. Jacob was uh, the father of the Israelite nation. And these were God's chosen people. And appointed a law in Israel, which he commanded our fathers to teach to their children that the next generation might know them. The children yet unborn, and arise and tell them to their children, so that they should set their hope in God and not forget the works of God, but keep his commandments. Now I circled here, set their hope in God. But you look, he says, teach the generation that teaches the generation that teaches the generation to set their hope in God. And again, this is repeated over and over in Scripture. Kids matter to God. The next generation matters to God. Jesus at one point was teaching, and the kids wanted to come to him, and his disciples are like, no, you know, kids, you're not as important as adults. And, and so they're preventing these kids, and Jesus sees it. He says, stop, let the little children come to me. Matthew 19, 14 says, let the little children come to me and do not hinder them, for such belongs the kingdom of heaven. Man, the faith of a child, if only we could all have that kind of faith. But how about this? This is a warning. Jesus says in Matthew 18, 6, whoever causes one of these little ones who believe in me to sin, it would be better for him to have a great millstone fastened around his neck and to be drowned in the depth of the sea. Jesus is pretty blunt. <laughs> he cares about the next generation. He cares about the kids, and we need to also. I mean, what a great warning here. You know, how, how many churches have fallen into uh, abuse of children, right? I mean, it seems like every week we can see another account of that, and we know of some in this community that have struggled with that and then tried to cover it up. You know, cover up abusive kids. That's why for here at Common Ground, parents, you've probably gone through, why is it so hard for us to get our kids out? We're trying to protect them. You know, why do we have cameras everywhere? By the way, there's cameras everywhere, not in the bathrooms. But there's a lot of cameras. Because for us, protecting these kids is really, really, really important. And it's our responsibility. So don't test me. But if, if you go out there and try and go down the kids' hall, somebody's going to stop you. And they might be armed. So... So why does the next generation matter to God? The next generation matters to God because they have been made for the glory of God. Romans eleven thirty six, For from him and through him and to him are all things. To him be the glory forever. Kids, you're created for God's glory first and foremost. Adults, we are created for God's glory first and foremost. And so... They're created 
You are created for God's glory. We are to raise them to give glory to God. And how about this? The next generation has been made to enjoy God's goodness. We so often think that, you know, God's way is the, the boring way. God's way is the joyless way. Rather, as you read through Scripture here and in the Psalms passage, that we look, we set our hope in God. In God is fullness of joy, right? In Him is that. And so we raise our kids to enjoy His goodness. The Westminster uh, Shorter Catechism says this, the chief end of man is to glorify God and enjoy Him forever. That was their way to sum up, what, what do we exist for? We exist to enjoy God forever, bringing Him glory. And so we lead our kids into that. Do you realize obeying Scripture is best for you? Any rule that God gives is actually best for us. And so that's why we try and train our kids to go His way, because it's best for them. Psalm 1611, in your presence is fullness of joy. In your right hand there are pleasures forevermore. You know, this is our mission. We have it written on the wall over there. It's to connect people to the abundant life only possible through an abiding relationship with Jesus. That's what we're doing with our kids, training them to abide in Jesus. Well, and here's another reason. The next generation matters to God's redemptive mission. The next generation matters to God's redemptive mission. That's why, kids, when I talk to you going into the school, you may be used to save somebody else. Some other kid may see how you're living your life, and they may ask, what's different about you? And you get to say, Jesus is different about me. Jesus died on the cross, rose from the dead, and I have life in him. Maybe you can be used in their life. And guess what? Someday, some generation is going to end this whole mission. Matthew 24, 14, Jesus says, And this gospel of the kingdom will be proclaimed throughout the whole world as a testimony to all nations, and then the end will come. You know, someday Jesus is coming back. Someday he's going to come back, he's going to set it all right, and some generation is going to be here when it happens. It might be you. It might be our grandkids. And you're here, you're like, I already have great-grandkids. Maybe it's the great-grandkids. But some generation is going to finish. You know, here, it looks like everybody's going to hear the gospel, then he'll come back. Um, you know, we don't want to put boundaries on, well, they haven't all heard, Jesus can't come back, because Scripture's really clear. He can come back any moment. could be right now. Or now. <laughs> I've tried that so many times, and he hasn't done it yet, but one day, <laughs> we might. Um, but what if, what if it's that kid in your class, or, or that neighbor kid that's just the most trouble? right? That bullheaded whatever kid, maybe that's the one that someday is going to cross that last border and share the gospel and Jesus comes back. What if it's that one that grabs somebody else and tells them about Jesus, they pray their prayer, and Jesus comes back? We don't know. Some generation is going to finish it, and we have a responsibility to that generation, not only that, but to train that generation to train the next generation, I'm hoping that my kids will learn how to walk in faith so that when they have kids, their kids learn it from them, who learn it from them, and on and on and on. Psalm 127, 3 and 4. Behold, children are a heritage from the Lord. The fruit of the womb, a reward. Like arrows in the hand of a warrior are the children of one's youth. So even wondering why there's a bow up here. We're holding the bow. 
not just parents, yes, parents, yes, grandparents, but all of us are involved in this. And each kid is an arrow. And what do you do with an arrow? Anybody getting nervous yet? <laughs> you notch that arrow, you point it at a target, and you release it. Nobody's ducking. <laughs> Don't worry, I'm not going to pull it back. I got word that I might in all my passion. Like, oh, no. But <laughs> children are an arrow. And what's the point of an arrow? It's not to stay in the quiver. It's in the quiver, but the point is to shoot it in a certain direction, to shoot it at something. And so here we see in Scripture that our role is to shoot these kids somewhere. I'll pull that out. But each, each of these kids is a arrow that we are shooting. And so we're going to get more into that. But number two, question two, what is my responsibility to the next generation? What is it? Look back at uh, Proverbs says, train up a child in the way he should go. That word train is often translated dedicate. Our job is to train them, to dedicate them to the Lord, completely to God. We have a great example in the Old Testament of a wise woman named Hannah. And Hannah couldn't have kids. You know, she was barren, and she, so she prayed to God, said, God, if you give me a child, I will dedicate it to you. God blessed her. She gave birth to Samuel. Uh, Samuel ended up, she gave him basically to the priest to serve God. And she did it when he was no more than 10 years old, maybe 11, but 11 was the max. While he's still a kid, this mom took him and gave him to God. And after that, year by year, she would go back and give him a new you know, cloak that she made a little bigger each time. But she saw him, it looks like, once a year after that. Parents, grandparents, are we training our kids to go and give them to God, or are we training them to stay close to us? Right? Do we want him here and protect him? Or are we training to shoot them? Samuel would go on to anoint David, the best king the world has ever seen. Samuel did great things for God because his wise mother started that, initiated that. We are training them to go. And how do we train them? Verse 6, train up a child in the way he should go. It refers to a, a path or a road. This has been misinterpreted recently to say, train up a way in a child how they uniquely are should go. Meaning, let them find who they are, you know, and discover it for themselves. That's not what this saying. Now, should we help our kids? They're gifted differently. Should we help them um, grow in those areas where they're, they're strong? Absolutely. Should we help them in their uniqueness? Absolutely. But throughout Proverbs, there's really two roads, the wise way and the foolish way. And so really what this verse is saying is train your kid to go the wise way. And there is only one way, and that's God's way. Train them to walk God's way, not the foolish way. It's not a hands-off approach. Train, this is, this is active. We're guiding them. And I've seen this before. I was coaching soccer, and, and uh, the coach of the other team was a friend of mine, um, and his daughter was out there just throwing a fit and you know, yelling and whatever, and, and we talked. I'm like, Dude, pull her out. <laughs> Deal with your kid. He's like, you know what? I, I, I take approach of just kind of natural consequences. I'm like, that's not what the Bible teaches. The Bible teaches train them up in the way they should go. Uh, do you have a kid living in your house? Oh, I don't know if I want to go to church. Guess what? You're in charge. They're coming to church with you. You're training them the priorities. They don't get to make those choices yet. Do they want to spend all day, uh, all through the weekend on video games? No. 
<laughs> I mean, yes, video games are fine, and there's this, but, but now we're training them how they're going to live. And we need to get some hands-on because guess what? They don't always make the right choices. And so this training is very intentional. And by the way, parents and the rest of us, more is caught than taught. You've heard that. But more is caught than taught. So here's the best thing we can do, whether you're a parent, a grandparent, or anybody else. The best thing you can do for the next generation is sell out to God. That's the best thing you can do. You go all in for God and live it. It's the best thing we can do. I overheard once, I was standing behind a, a 10-year-old boy and his mom in church. And he goes, Mom, why do I have to be here? If I have soccer, I don't have to come. It was like, oh, he, he learned the priorities from mom and dad. The priority, if there's sports, that wins every time. And so then for him, I don't want to come. Now, is it okay to miss church sometimes? Absolutely. I'm not saying, you know, you got to be here every Sunday. But the priorities of their life clearly were passed on. And that kid just said it. And I hope that mom went, oh, my goodness, what are we doing? I don't know if she did. But we are training them. So this is in your notes. My responsibility is to help train children to faithfully follow Jesus in wisdom and love all their lives. Again, they are an arrow. They are an arrow. And when you shoot, I won't notch it, don't worry. When you shoot, you face the way you're shooting, right? So if you're shooting, they're going to go the way you are going in general. I mean, it'd have to be a great archer that can do this, boom, and hit the target. My point is we go and we shoot them in the direction that we're going. So first priority is that we are following God ourselves. Really fast, listen really fast, we're almost done. How do I fulfill, question three, how do I fulfill my responsibility to the next generation? I'm going to go through this really quickly. The first one, dependence. They all start with a D, so it's easy to remember. Dependence. I am to guide the next generation in dependence on the Lord. Independent of us, but dependent on the Lord. That's what we're trying to train. My goodness, the best thing we can do for these kids is to teach them how to have faith. Faith is a muscle. You know, how do you grow a muscle? You work it out. You tear it down. How can we train our kids to have real faith? We put them in opportunities to have to have it, which means sometimes that's hard. We put them in, in times where it might feel unsafe. When uh, Brendan, our son, who's really old now, was 16, he went to Panama, and he was there all summer on a missions trip. And our first prayer was keep him safe, keep him safe, keep him safe. And then we went, wait a minute. We want him to grow in faith. And so our prayer changed, give him the opportunities for his faith to be tested so it could grow. And so as we are training, we are training them in dependence. And so hopefully we're putting them in situations where they have to have faith. And then they might fail, and we can walk through it together. Two, dedication. I am to guide the next generation with a heart of dedication. Dedicated to the Lord. Dedicated to his mission. Jesus said, seek first my kingdom and my righteousness. Priorities. Is your priority first and foremost Jesus and his kingdom? It needs to be. And then we train them first and foremost, it's this. Not first and foremost a good education. Not first and foremost sports. Not first and foremost patriotism. Those are all good things. First Jesus and then those things. But first and foremost, they are dedicated, ambitious for the kingdom. Three, demonstration. I am to guide the next generation by living my life as a demonstration of a life lived for God's glory. That's what we already said. You're living it, and they're watching. 
They see how you spend your money. They see where your priorities are, so we demonstrate it. And listen, students, if you're a student, this is huge for you. You are demonstrating something to others. I remember being uh, in junior high and starting high school, and there was these cool guys in church, but they loved Jesus. And I watched how they lived it, and I, I wanted to be like that. And so I was seeing just guys a few older than me, a few years older than me, that I, they were living for God, and so they were a great demonstration to me. And I remember being at a wrestling tournament when I was a senior in high school, and, and I was in a hotel room, and one of the guys, we're tying our shoes, getting ready to go, and he says, Derek, how do you know there's a God? And I'm like, what? <laughs> so, so he had seen my life was different. I didn't go to the parties. I, didn't get, I wasn't doing all those things, and I had no idea that I had any impact. And then he asked me that question, and I, you know, I wasn't prepared. I'm stumbling over it, and coach comes in, hey, time to go, and we left, and we didn't get to finish that conversation. But I didn't even know how somebody else was looking at my life, and it was making them question reality, making them question God. And so live as a demonstration. Four, discipline. Again, we are training them in the way they should go, the wise way. Discipline. I am to guide the next generation by being faithful to discipline from a heart of love. Parents, teachers, this isn't punishment, this is discipline. Discipline is, is loving correction, right? Loving boundaries with compassionate correction. This is the right, right way to go. They get off it, loving correction. You know, back on the path. Again, not punishment. Punishment is often about us. Discipline is about them. And then finally, deploy. I am to guide the next generation by ultimately deploying them to fulfill God's purpose for their lives. Deploy, again, they are arrows, and, and we're shooting them. We don't do this and then just hold on to that for 50 years. <laughs> we shoot and we let it go, and we guide them to where God would have them to go. We deploy them into the world, independent of us, dependent on God. This is the big idea. A wise way to live is to give priority to training and shaping the next generation. So where do you start? Parents, it's obvious. Grandparents, also obvious. <laughs> But what about you? You're like, well, I'm not, I don't have any kids close or whatever. Are there neighbors? Do, do you have some neighbor kids you see walking by all the time? Do you have a bunch of free time? Maybe you could go volunteer and be the crossing guard and get to know the kids coming by. I mean, there's a lot of ways. Kids are our priority. Or here's an easy one. If you're hearing this, you're like, yeah, I feel it. Where do I start? We still got room back there with the kids. You know, how many adults can talk about Sunday school teachers that changed their lives when they were little? That's one very easy, simple way that you can step in quickly after a background check, because for us, safety is really important, but you can get involved right here. You know, this is one of those uh, messages that's very practical, you know, not real emotional, uh, but we're going to move now to worship. And, and I would ask, though, that you would let God speak to you, that if there's something in your life that needs to change, you would give it to him, and you can respond in several ways. You know, a wise way to live, it begins with the fear of the Lord, Proverbs makes clear. So if you're here and you're maybe new to this church thing, this Christian thing, and you don't know your first step, your first step is to believe that Jesus died on the cross and rose from the dead, and to confess him as Lord and commit to follow him. That's the first step. And so as we go to worship, I'm going to be up here. If you want to talk to me about following Jesus, come talk to me. If there's something else in your life that you want prayer for, please come talk to me. We also have our prayer walls. Uh, over here, you can write a prayer, roll it up, stick it in the chicken wire, 
Our, our prayer team will grab that and pray for you. But as we worship, worship however you want. You could stand like this. That's okay. You could stand like this. That's okay. <laughs> you can get on your knees. But let's respond and worship God and glorify him in Jesus' name. God, we, uh, we love you. God, I do thank you that so much of your word is really practical. God, you designed the world. You designed families. You designed uh, that there would be government. You designed all this stuff, and, and we are fallen people, so we don't do it all perfectly. But as we look in Scripture, we see the wise way to go, which is best for us. And God, I, I ask that you would stir our hearts, our hearts to love you, our, our lives to abide in you. And God, I beg, and I beg, beg, beg for my kids. I beg for the other kids in this church, God, that they would fall deeply in love with you, that they would learn what faith is at a young age. And God, that, that we would break the mold, that it wouldn't be 70, 80% that walk away, but God, that it would be 99.9% that walk out of here and are crazy in love with you, that experience your love and your joy and know what it means to have faith, know what it means to abide. And God, I, I pray one last time for our teachers, our administrators, God, it's a hard job, but it is so important. Um, and, and sometimes it's just not very rewarding with, with parents the way parents can be and, and, and kids the way kids can be on and on. God, I just ask again for your blessing, God, that this would be a, a year of joy and fruitfulness for teachers, for schools, and for these kids. We love you. In Jesus' name, amen.